Hello and welcome back to AFL by Dummies, and let's discuss the weekend that was. Collingwood found themselves some crispy seared tiger on Friday night after Richmond completely and utterly imploded. Melbourne was so cold there was frost on the field as West Coast cripped the D's apart. And that is the weekend that was. Lachlan Ross, you excited to be back? No. <laughs> there, are, there are no highlights from the last weekend of footy. Not one highlight? Oh, I'm sure there was a highlight anyway, but I'm basically just... I'm a shell of the person not I was even, on Friday. Not even like Brody Grundy like tapping the ball down to himself and then kicking a goal? That's arguably the low light of the week. The fact that a Ruckman tapped it to himself and kicked a goal. Not Mason Cox's second most contested marks in the game, but we'll get to that later. Do you actually have any kind of highlight from the weekend whatsoever? No, genuinely don't. Okay. Um, good on uh, West Coast and Melbourne for the week they had. Um, do you have a... Do you mean? Yes, that. <laughs> Did you have a highlight from the week? I actually um, am willing to agree with you on this one because this was one of the worst weekends of footy I've ever seen. Um, from an actual footy perspective, if you're a Collingwood fan, a West Coast fan, great. For a neutral, two teams got absolutely annihilated. The two margins at halftime were plus 40. Um, in the Melbourne West Coast game, it was 60 points. At least you thought that maybe there was some chance of Richmond coming back, but even that evaporated quickly. No, I'm, I'm totally with you. Weren't many highlights from the weekend. So let's get straight into it, shall we? Yeah, um, I'll go straight into a joke, but this isn't going to be your traditional sort of joke, not the one that you guys are used to hearing, because what I watched on Friday night was, it was soul-wrenching stuff. <laughs> so Richmond, what a year it's been. In the last 365 days, you've brought me so much joy that it previously seemed unimaginable. You've taught me to smile, how to laugh, and more importantly, how to feel superior to my fellow footy fanatic friends for the first time. Above all else, I am now able to hope. In the past, I never believed in hope. Because why hope? if only to be trodden down on again. Thank you, Richmond. Trent Cotchen, thanks for being the unlikely man who's now going to end his career as a Brownlow medalist and a premiership captain. Maybe one day you will inspire me to work hard as well. Probably not. Jack Rewalt, thanks for always putting your body on the line for the betterment of the team. You will rightly go down as a Richmond legend. Jack Graham, thanks for being the unlikely grand final hero. Jacob Townsend, thanks for signing my shirt. That was, that was really cool of you. Tyrone Vickery, thanks for fucking off. And Brett Deledio, thanks for... Just kidding. Sorry you didn't get to share in our team's successes. But thank you, Richmond. You made me really happy. Oh, the waterworks are coming out from Lock and Ross. This has been an emotional, emotional moment for him. I don't really know why he chose it as his joke. Did you watch what happened on the weekend to my team? There is no room for laughter in me now. <laughs> You're right. It was a very sad performance. And, I mean, this is my way of conveying emotion now. It's not through laughter. It's through tear-jerking stuff. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm going to flatter the side that actually beats you with my stat. I'm going to talk about Collingwood. So, why did Collingwood win? I'm going to pour to you three stats were the most influential stats on the field that shaped the game. Number one, 
we're going to talk about Mason Cox because this has been more than covered enough. Mason Cox had eight contested marks in the match, which is the second most ever in a finals match. That is crazy numbers. He was incredibly influential. The fact that he was able to run and jump at the ball is an incredibly powerful asset for Collingwood and will be a big factor in the grand final, as I'm sure we will discuss later. Number two, Brody Grundy's tap work was fantastic. We've previously rated him in the past as one of the best field ruckmen. Does a lot of great stuff around the ball, good at clearances, contested possessions, those kind of things. But with Max Gorn getting smashed in the hitouts over in um, Perth, Brody Gundy put on an absolute clinic in Melbourne. He had 56 hitouts, which is the most hitouts by an AFL player in finals history. Wow. Absolutely killing it. Right? That's two. And number three, and last but definitely not least, because I actually reckon this one was the most influential, Steel Sidebottom. Now, the man had 41 possessions. I talked about him last week as being one of the most improved players in the competition. Because in my opinion, he went from you know, a B-plus, A-minus player to one of the best players in the competition. Here's your proof. 41 possessions on pre-live final, one of the stages that all of the legends will tell you is one of the most difficult places to perform. 41 possessions against the best team in the competition who nobody had beaten on that ground in two years. He delivered. 41 possessions, and the killer stat that taps it all off, of all of the players on the ground, steel side bottom ran the most. Covering over 17 kilometers... He ran the most of any player on the field. I love that. He's an incredibly pl- classy player by foot. We all talk about that. But in the end, the guy that ran the most got the most rewards. He's an absolute legend, was the best player on the field. And we're going to have to start talking about him next season as the same caliber as the likes of Dangerfield, Martin and Kelly and all of these players. Because he can have just as much impact on a game. He's putting together quite the final series at the moment. Um I don't understand why Richmond didn't send a man to him. He was just running amok. And, like, the difference between him getting 40 and Tom Mitchell getting 40 is that he's just so much more damaging with that 40. Um, He got a lot of his ball on the outside on the weekend because Richmond was just getting smashed in tight and he was able to um, hold his width. And, uh, yeah, he punished us and he did a really good job of it, as did Mason Cox, as did Brody Grundy. Just got monstered all over the field. A fantastic performance by Collingwood, and I think that's well reflected in those three stats. Now, now it would normally be the time for my joke, but instead, I'm actually going to hold off on that. I think we're going to come back to my joke at the end of the show as kind of like a conclusion to this week's episode, I think. Okay. Well, I was not briefed about this, but um, anyways, we'll go on like we're a professional podcast and know what we're doing. Anyways, I talked about Jack Redden last week as one of the most improved players uh, this season in the AFL. Um, you slightly agreed. Um, you know, you were pretty impartial towards it. On the weekend, he proved my point. She doesn't happen too often when we make a claim in the show and it's proven like the next week. I think Jacob did it once earlier in the year and that's about the only time it's really worked. So Jack Redden on the weekend was just best on ground. Josh Kennedy kicked four, Jack Darling kicked three, and they were monstrous. But, like, it was all about Redden. I believe he was the second player ever behind Paul Chapman to have 30 disposals, a goal, and 10 marks in a final. Wow. That's a nice stat to have on your side. Paul Chapman is a nice person to be behind on a list as well. Um, So he had 31 on the weekend, but he did it at 84%. 
So he's not mucking around with it at no. all. Um, he's not known as like the cleanest user in the AFL, but I mean, he was on the weekend when it mattered. He had 13 marks. He's, he was just running everywhere. Um, good on him. Same as Steel Sidebottom, just covered a mountain of ground. Um, he had five clearances, which is probably down on what he normally um, puts out, but had nine tackles. And um, he only had, I think it was nine contested possessions. So the fact that he still had nine tackles is still really good because I think because he had 13 marks, he played a lot more on the outside in the game, which... I mean, if you're winning by 10 goals at halftime, why bother? Go in and get the ball. Um, Six inside 50s, a goal, two goal assists, and two one percenters. I have to throw the one percenters in there. We both know that. Um, And only one clanger. From 31 disposals. Yeah, he's a very good player. He's putting together a good final series as well. And maybe, like the West Coast Eagles, he'll be talked about more. Almost like he exists. I don't know. (laughs) There's this, like, border in between Victoria and, like, the rest of the of Australia. Almost like a state border or something. Yeah. No, but more... That's what I was referring to. More like there's a border and just, like, no news comes in from that end. So, I mean, is there teams in West Coast? Is there players in West Coast? We'll find know. out after the break. <laughs> after the grand final, I hope. Um, um, no, I, I completely agree. It was a very complete game, I think is the right word. Uh, I love the fact that... He's had five clearances from nine contested possessions. Like, that shows he's efficient when he is inside and nine tackles showing he's willing to put in the defensive side of his game. And then to have 22 uncontested possessions from 13 marks, I mean, and only at, what was it, 80-something 80, 80 percent? 84%. 84% efficiency shows he's ruthless um, on the outside by ball. Uh, that, it's as complete of a game as you'll get. Quite the antithesis to what Melbourne put out on the weekend. Um, it's time for our discussion now, because I've heard that we, you were, in fact, pretty disappointed now by Melbourne. Now, I was as well, of course, but I'm pretty proud of them for making it this far. I think they've done a, a very good job. You, however, seem to think that it's quite disappointing. Well, which performance on the weekend did you think was more disappointing? Now, if you ask whose season was more disappointing, it's obviously Richmond's, um, just because, I mean... They were tipped to go back-to-back. They'd been the best team up until this week, um, basically. But just on this one-round basis, with all the weights of expectation, who do you think was the more disappointing team? Richmond. Because, to put it quite simply, they blew it. Um, This was the only real challenge they faced all season. Um, They did all of the easy work to get themselves to this point. They got themselves in a position they were talking about it on 360 during the week about the fact that when you look at the Hawthorne side of 2013, 14, 15, that won those three grand finals in a row, all of those prelim finals that they played that predated them were decided by less than two goals. All three of them were gripping, difficult affairs. Of course, of course the famous Luke Hodge smother um, against Port Adelaide, which was an amazing match. They all faced serious challenges in their prelim, but were strong enough to overcome them and then easily accounted for their opposition on grand final day when they backed their system in. This was a Richmond side that should have done that. They, should, they were more than good enough to bring it to Collingwood. Collingwood played very, very well. Um, and I'm sure Nathan and Eddie and the rest of the club will be very proud of them. Um, all of their fans should be as well. But they were not impossible to beat by any means. There are a lot of things that could have been counted to play the way... Collingwood played, like, I don't know, hitting targets, for instance, if you were Richmond, um, and and handling your pressure. And 
if I was if I was a Richmond fan right now, as you are, I would be looking at this and going, we really should have won the premiership this year. When we look back at it in 10 years' time, we will be grateful for the fact that we won 2017. But this side was more than good enough to win 18. Instead of being like a Hawthorne or a Geelong that's, you know, building these dynasties or Brisbane of multiple years of premierships, you blew one. Now, that's not to say the future isn't over. You might then continue to be one of the best sides going around, which I expect you will, especially if Tom Lynch signs on. But this was just it's just an opportunity gone begging, whereas I don't have that same expectation of Melbourne. Fair enough. Um, I look at the Richmond game a little differently. I, th- I don't think Richmond played that badly. Um, our midfield got beaten. And our forward line setup was a little out of whack. And our defense was a little out of whack. But it wasn't like we threw in an absolute terrible performance. We were just below average, I think. And I think the below average got exposed very badly because that performance Collingwood put up is just simply put the best performance of the year in a game. It was it was unbelievable how well Collingwood played. And I think even Richmond at their best would have struggled to beat that team. I think they would have. But it would have been a struggle. Yes, it is going to go down as an opportunity wasted and Melbourne won't have that same thing of it's going to go down as an opportunity wasted. But when you go to Western Australia, to a place where you've won recently against that exact team, but it's a parochial crowd over there, you need to start well. And Melbourne just did not start well at all. Um, Sure, Richmond weren't perfect with their efficiency. Melbourne missed basic handballs. And whilst I still think Richmond did the basics well enough, Melbourne didn't do the basics well whatsoever, and that's all you should be able to ask of your team. Because if you're not doing the basics, you're going to be down by 10 goals at halftime, and that's what happened. There was enough in the Richmond performance that you thought they could come back from 40 points, because they hadn't been perfect, but there'd been glimpses. There was nothing from Melbourne. They hadn't kicked a goal by halftime. Like, to have the game basically over halfway through the second quarter without doubt is just unacceptable. You're literally carrying the weight of all the um, people like you, then the actual Melbourne fans, and then the neutrals. You carry the weight of all of that, and then you go over there. And a lot of your Melbourne fans have travelled, and it wasn't cheap to go over there, as Mason Cox pointed out on Twitter, um, saying that it was cheaper to fly from America to Australia than Melbourne to Perth. You carried the weight of expectation, and you blew it. And it, you blew it quite spectacularly. And had it been a game where West, had it been a regular season game where West Coast wanted to get some percent, that would have been an 100 point drubbing. But in the second half, West Coast just turned off. Whereas at least Richmond made Collingwood play three and a half quarters. Um, and I don't know about you, but Richmond got within four goals at one point, and you thought, geez, maybe they can do it without playing their best. Um, whereas Melbourne was never in that game. Um, you can't give up the ball like that. It's not finals footy whatsoever, and I think that could haunt them, whereas I think Richmond's loss won't haunt them, but it might make them work harder, motivate them. I won't argue with the the level of the performances. Richmond obviously played better than Melbourne. Melbourne were awful. But the question is disappointing, and... If we're going with disappointing, then the most obvious factor is expectation. It's Melbourne are a young side. This was their, I mean, for most of them, this was their first preliminary final. Um, this is their first final series. They're getting experience. 
Um, they'll come back next year, and I expect them to be a top four side, and I expect them to win a prelim next year. They're they're up for it. They've proven they're good enough. I will give them the brain, the the mental collapse once, but this is it. Welcome to the big leagues. Um, whereas this is a Richmond side that's done it all before. What excuse is there? Okay. I, I don't see the excuse for Richmond. I I think there is none, and and that's why I think there's the difference. Is because I expected Richmond to play well. Um, Melbourne, we both like going into the game. Yes, I tipped Melbourne, but we every game we tipped this every final we tipped this final series. Even when we tipped Melbourne, we both acknowledged the fact that there was a solid fifty percent chance that they would mentally implode, and they did that. And you know, big shocker, they managed to go two games without mentally imploding before finally on the third one they did. But I didn't expect this from Richmond. This was a Richmond side side that should have breezed through this. You're saying that this. You're saying that they didn't play that badly. This Richmond side didn't have a side get within 30, 40 points of them the entire last final series. So you honestly reckon that this Collingwood side is that much better than all of the sides Richmond played in finals last year? That Collingwood performance was the best performance by a team against Richmond, aside from maybe West Coast earlier in the year, in a very long time. I think Richmond panicked. And I don't think Damien Hardwick will accept that as an excuse, but I think that's the truth. Keep in mind that, yes, Richmond won it last year, but for a lot of players on this Richmond list, that was still their fourth or fifth final. Like, they don't have a wealth of finals experience. You look at Hawthorne, they won it in 2008, but it took them a while to come back. And then when they got there in 2013, 14, 15, um, they had a squad which had gone through all those final series and was ready to push properly, whereas this is still a very young Richmond side. Um and that was the first time they felt the pressure in finals. We'll uh, see, I guess. I don't really know. Given the poor performances of uh, Richmond and Melbourne on the weekend, I'm sure they'll be a target in your world-famous segment. This is Lachlan Ross's Punching Down. This is Punching Down. Collingwood fans. Yes, I know, you probably didn't expect this one, but... Look, Collingwood fans, you had a reason to be happy. Your American recruit, Mason Cox, was dominant on Friday night, so I understand you being jubilant. But one thing that should never be done in Australia is singing a chant that reads, USA, USA, USA. America already has enough of a superiority complex, and let's not feed that. The easy substitute for y'all is to shout, Cox, Cox, Cox. This works on two levels. One, you get to shout out your hero. Two, you also get to describe the type of people you are. The one that you expected, Melbourne and Richmond. You both had awesome years that have now been marred by pathetic performances on the past weekend. Pathetic, I tell you. Both games were over by quarter time. If I wanted to be let down and watch something flame out, I'd get a Samsung Galaxy Note 7. (laughs) But more than that, Alex's bracket was perfect till you let him down with your disgraceful efforts. You should be ashamed to let down such a high-profile name. The AFL by Dummies Corporation condemns you for your actions, or more appropriately, inactions. That was Punching Down. Bravo. Bravo. What a punching down. That was... I'm glad someone said it because I truly feel smited. I was having such a good bracket. Six for six out of six games and now now both of my grand finalists are knocked out. <laughs> yeah, neither of us predicted a single grand finalist. No, and 
yeah, neither of us have a have had a particularly good final series now. Um, it doesn't look great. We're gonna we're gonna cut over to the news now. I think it's time for some news. Yeah, you feeling like some scoops? I'm feeling like some scoops. What do you, what flavor scoops do you reckon we'll be getting this week? Ooh, I feel like peppermint. Mm, interesting. And now to our award-winning news. And by award-winning, we mean he's literally at the Brownlow at the moment reporting <laughs> on that. But he's got time to come to us. Bridge, what have you got for us? Thanks, Chalk. This week marked one of AFL's biggest upsets in recent history. Fans were left devastated after the opening term and are in stunned silence as they stared at their TV screens, praying this wasn't happening. Ending his speech with Let's On With The Show, Sam Newman was obviously heartfelt in his announcement to not continue next year after 25 years on the popular footy program. In an interview with The Current Affair the next day, Newman revealed he's interested in a career change to become a tradie. He was visibly excited at the prospect of becoming a roof tiler, quoted as saying, Being a tiler may not be the most glamorous of occupations, but it puts a roof over your head. <laughs> in lighter news, Bic has confirmed their sponsorship with the AFL for next season in a fresh attempt to ignite a new generation of inter-club rivalry. The decision was made after Gillan McLaughlin read several luminous reviews about the company and ironically concluded they will be the perfect match. Lions captain Dane Zorko has made his raw heard as he called for the club song to be rewritten. Wailing his disapproval at the lack of creativity in the song's lyrics at a club conference, he later followed up with a tweet reading, The move to swap the club song to The Lion Sleeps Tonight is just a whim away. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! Yes! Well done! Mediocre start. Not bad without being great, but that was... Fantastic finish. Excellent I, stuff. I couldn't agree more. Good work there, Bridge. Uh, excellent reporting, and I hope that Brownlow uh, isn't too tough on you. And so, Chuck, we now reach ultimately the climax of this show for this season, and that is our grand final predictions. We need to talk about this year's grand final, Collingwood West Coast, and who's actually going to win. Because, to be honest, we haven't talked about this yet. I am still not sure yet. I could make a very good case either way. I know Collingwood put in a good performance on the weekend, but I'm pretty set on West Coast. I will quite happily argue for Collingwood then. West Coast's tall forward line speaks for itself, but um, I always love backing in the side that is a little bit the underdog. So you make your case for West Coast, and then I shall make my case for Collingwood. I'm going to make a very similar case to last week. <laughs> West Funny Coast that. Is, West Coast is yet to lose with Jack Darling and Josh Kennedy playing. Now, last week... They did work on Sam Frost and Oscar McDonald. I'm pretty confident they're going to do work on Tyson Goldsack and Jeremy Howe, who's just undersized. Don't get me wrong, Jeremy Howe's a star. He's undersized to play on them. Maybe they'll get Brandon Sear. Either way, they cannot cope with Josh Kennedy and Jack Darling. And then uh, you, we didn't really actually talk about him, but um, Jamie Cripps was awesome on the weekend. He was probably the second best player on the ground. Three goals and 25, I think, or 24. Um, He was unbelievable and still got a whole bunch of tackles, which is what he does best. No way that Collingwood backline can deal with that. Um, That might win the midfield battle, but not only that, at the other end of the field, they're not going to be able to deal with Jeremy McGovern or Brass. Um, I mean, Cox had a really good game on the weekend, but Richmond didn't put enough time and effort into him, and I think West Coast won't make the same mistake. Um, They held Cox to no marks last time they played in that first final, and then last time these two teams played at the MCG, West Coast not thumped them, but convincingly beat Collingwood, and I understand maybe that's not the same Collingwood, but that wasn't also the same West Coast. 
Josh Kennedy's got a great record against West Coast. I don't know what to say. This has been very poorly structured, but I think I've got my point across that. I'm pretty steadfast that West Coast is going to win the flag, despite th- the fact that I didn't have them finishing in the eighth year. <laughs> I think quite anticlimactically, um, both of our arguments are actually going to centre around most of what we said last week. I'll make a couple of points, and most of them are going to be the ones I made for, as to why Collingwood could beat Richmond last week. Firstly, when it comes down to it, sometimes it's just all about desire. And Collingwood proved that when they wanted it more than Richmond. And this Collingwood side is this year's fairy tale. Like it or not, in the sense that I don't like Collingwood, and most people don't, they are the fairy tale side. They're the ones that have come from nowhere, nobody really expected. They won their way through four weeks of finals. Um, they got there the hard way, and this is the big stage. It's ready for them. I'm going to make point two, which is exactly the same point made last week and proved to be so true on the weekend. Collingwood midfield, Adams, Trelaw, Pendlebury, Sidebottom, Thomas, others... I don't know. There are more. Adams? I said Adams was the first one. Oh, Pendlebury? Uh, did you listen? Uh, Trelaw? <laughs> Thomas on the wing. Phillips does good stuff. Dugowie here and there. Dugowie here and there. They are a fantastic midfield. And if West Coast were to have one weakness, one weakness, it's their midfield doesn't bat incredibly deep. With Gaff out suspended, we know Shui's a gun. Um, we know he's also sore. So that'll be interesting. Redden's playing the form of his life, but has never been considered a consistent A grader. There's not much beyond that. The likes of Hutchings, Yo, when he's in there, is a very good player, but he's not always in there. Dom Sheed and these kind of players. How do they stand up against the most formidable midfield in the competition right now? I imagine Yo will go to side bottom. And I think that'll be a crucial matchup because I think Yo can go with side bottom. I know Saibon tracked 17Ks last week, but I think Yo could do that as well. And what Yo can do is he plays the tagging role, but he also gets a lot of the ball. Um, he's an absolute absolute bull. So I think Yo might be the difference in this match. Um, he had a disappointing grand final a few years ago, and I, th- I think he'll be out to rectify that. My, I, I agree. My third point will be that quite often the grand final day is just won by the form side. And as you said yourself... Collingwood's performance against Richmond on Friday night was the best performance by a team this season. Um, and I agree with you in that regard. So if grand finals are won by the form side, Collingwood's the form side. They're playing at home. West Coast are being forced to travel for a grand final. Um, you know, you can hate the system if you want. That's the reality. I don't know. So I'm, despite the fact I've been arguing for Collingwood, I'm still torn. You make a very strong case as to why West Coast, Kennedy and Darling are going to be an absolute handful and the more I think about them the more I think that West Coast is going to win but sometimes you got to go the dream so I'll tip Collingwood I'm going to tip Collingwood did you just say it's your dream for Collingwood to win a grand final it's not my dream it's people's dream Harold Sum posted the other day on the front of the paper and it said uh, Collingwood carries the dreams of the state and I'm like I don't know about you but I don't want to go for Collingwood don't want to go for West Coast either but I don't want to go for Collingwood it's like rule number one in the AFL bible I can't remember where I saw it but there was a meme on Facebook that said like it was like Eddie Maguire pleading to all the neutral supporters saying you don't want to go for West Coast go for Collingwood and everyone going no yeah no we won't we won't do that so I'm gonna say Collingwood Collingwood I'm praying, this is the most important part, actually, out of anything, is please let it be a good game. It probably won't be. I bet you one of the sides will belt the other one. But please can it be a good game. The weekend, from a close footy perspective, was so boring. 
So Collingwood by 13 points. Please give us a good game. West Coast by 32. Ugh, that's going to be boring. I can feel it. Tell you what else is going to be boring. What? It's official as of right now that not only has Tom Mitchell won the Brownlow medal, he has surpassed 26 votes, which means you, Alex, get to crack one egg on my face on grand final day. I'm sure everyone will hear all about it come next Wednesday. We will go into depth about what happened uh, during the Brownlow in next week's show, uh, hopefully posted on Wednesday. Now, I was almost about to round off the show, which would be the ultimate insult to your joke, but you have decided to do things differently this week and you have a joke for us, Alex. So, please proceed. Lachlan Ross, as you might remember, we talked about... um, Potentially for our grand final, post grand final special, uh, doing a rap battle. And I know you're confused because you thought this is going to be post grand final, right? Well, it is still going to be post grand final. I'm sure that will happen. But I thought I'd give you a little bit of a teaser for what's to come. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay down the standard as to what you're going to be having to compete with um, and just give everyone at home a little bit of a teaser for next week's show. DJ, kick that shit. Like Gaff, I'll smash you in this fist fight. Strike you down as the light fades into the night. I can tell that you're scared. You're already white because you can't measure up to me, not even in height. I write jokes for folks and analyze the game. You just take shots at other people's fame. I bet your rapping is like Trelaw. You're hamstrung. I'll end up crying like every time you try and sing a song. Like your love life, your lists lack comedy and clarity. More difference between us than there is wealth disparity. Yo had faith in Adelaide, both Port and the Crows. But under Rory, Sloan's hose was slow and no shows. You've made dumb predictions and will have egg on your face. Oh no wait, that hasn't happened yet. Watch this space. I like your team, they're quite entrancing to watch. Martin, Rewalt, Grimes, Edwards and Koch. Stop kneeling before me, pull up your socks. While you're at it like Richmond, suck Mason's cocks. Okay, okay, okay. There has been a standard set. Um, I think you got a bit of practice to do yourself. Um, there is a standard in writing. However, if there's something I feel good with, it's the writing part. I can't rap for shit. Like, I'm just not going to hide from that. It's just not my strength. But I'm definitely looking forward to the uh, battle next week. Hopefully, it's a battle. Um, knowing my team and my supporter base, they might not show up at all. I'm super keen. That's just the beginning of what I've got. I didn't even use my best jokes. So get excited for next week, everyone. I'm definitely keen. If that doesn't get anyone keen, (laughs) I don't know what on this show would get people to listen, honestly. Um, I'm very impressed, but there's more to come. So like you said, to quote Alex Henry, watch this space. (laughs) Thanks to everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. Um, Grand final this week. So I hope you enjoy that. It should be an awesome game. That's the hope at least. Get keen. Come on. Like this is this is the climax of the season. This is what we've all been building up towards. You really like the word climax. Are you compensating for something? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've made me so keen. Let's get this let's get this going. <laughs> I want to start swinging back now. <laughs> uh, I look forward to that in a week's time. Until then, enjoy the grand final, everyone. Um, like us on Facebook, like us on Twitter. Um, we're on iTunes. From myself, Chuck. My name's Alex Henry. Have a nice day, everyone. <laughs>